What am I? A machine created by man, or a living being with my own decisions? This week on Signs of the Times Radio, Kent Kingston joins Daniel Kubarek to talk about the robot apocalypse. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. I'm here with Kent Kingston, the editor of Signs of the Times. Kent, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Daniel. How are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. It feels good being inside the boss's chair <laughs> for once. <laughs> yeah. How does it How does it feel to be inside the the, the, the guest chair? The, the guest chair. Well, it's uh, it's a little bit uh, daunting, actually. I have no idea what you're going to say, and you're going to no doubt pitch a whole bunch of bunch of questions at me that I won't be able to answer. But I think you know, between us, we'll we'll puzzle it out. Well, that's right. You got to put your your boss in an uncomfortable situation. Now, Kent, you had a, a great article in September about robots. the 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 title of the article was "Robot Reality." Yes, the the cover article, Daniel. Yeah, uh, it's it, it helps when when you know the boss. <laughs> Slightly biased. I mean, you were yeah. you were calling the shots on who ended up being the cover article, and then whoa, look, it ended up being you. Yeah, that that was a, a little bit self indulgent, wasn't it? I mean, what what happened is that as a team, an editorial team, we were talking about you know this sort of launch edition of the new design of Science of the Times magazine, and we were talking about you know what what are the issues that people are thinking about that people are discussing that can sort of Perhaps if they thought about it more deeply, it might actually help them realize, you know what, there's something going on in this world. There's, you know, what is our future and, and how can we connect Bible truth to that? And that, yeah, it came up with artificial intelligence. And I thought, well, who can I get to write this? And I think time was getting short at that stage and eventually it sort of fell to me. So I thought, okay, well, this is fun. I'll do a bit of research and come up with something. And yeah, I did really enjoy the research process, actually. And it says here that... During your process of researching this article, you spent a, quite a bit of time with Cleverbot. Now, <laughs> I was interested to know just how much time you spent with Cleverbot. Yes. Well, look, I I hadn't even heard about Cleverbot before. I, I'm a bit behind the eight ball, really, or behind the times, I should say. So, basically, I, I googled, you know, online artificial intelligence, and Cleverbot was the first thing that came up. So, I thought, okay, that's fun. So, yeah, jumped onto the website, and yes, you know, Cleverbot is an artificial intelligence. You can talk to it, ask it questions, and it'll talk back to you. And I thought, okay, that's cool. I'm a Samsung guy, not, not a Siri guy, you know, not, not a iPhone guy, so I haven't spent a lot of time talking with Siri and that sort of stuff. So it was still a bit of a novelty for me. Yeah, talking to Cleverbot. It was a Cleverbot was a bit weird though. It seems like similarly to Siri, I guess, you can ask Cleverbot one question or make one comment and get a response that sort of relates to it. But if you then try to carry on a conversation where you refer back to things that have been said earlier in the conversation, it's a weird, disjointed sort of experience because basically it seems Cleverbot doesn't keep in its memory what has happened earlier in the conversation and, you know, isn't going to sort of catch on when you refer back to something that has been said earlier. So it was a, a little strange, but but I did think it was important to ask Cleverbot, you know, are you planning on invading the Earth with your robot hordes? And Cleverbot's answer was, well, you could say it was clear, but also a, a little bit cheeky. The <laughs> Cleverbot said, when I asked, you know, are you going to be um, taking over the world with your robot hordes? Cleverbot said, no, are you? <laughs> 
<laughs> that was a bit sort of crazy, but yeah. You refer, you refer to those things in your article a few times about Siri giving you cheeky answers and mm-hmm. uh, Cleverbot as well. Just to sort of dial back a little bit and inform our audience, Cleverbot's this website where you go on yeah. and it's sort of, it's like an adaptive technology in a way that it scours it's, websites and... It's, it's an online artificial intelligence. Yeah. Which just by the way is um, really interesting because there's this conception that artificial intelligence is going to come in the form of a robot, which is sort mm-hmm. of what you specifically deal with in the article. Now, is it or is it going to be coming in the form of a software cloud-based thing? Because, for example, Google this year, I think it was, released um, their plan for Google AI, which has nothing to do with robots, but it has everything to do with mm-hmm. artificial intelligence. So what is the difference between robots and artificial intelligence? Are they intertwined? Look, I think they can be intertwined, but basically they're two completely separate things which can or or don't have to be put together. So so a robot is obviously a, a physical you know machine that does work, which you speak a bit of Polish. So you'd know, Daniel, that robot and roboti is sort of the word for work in Polish, and I imagine it has a Latin root word. So a, a robot is a machine that does work for you, whereas artificial intelligence is about making decisions and communicating and, and things like that. So, f- for example, we have a lot of a lot of new model cars now have adaptive cruise control, which uh, basically means that they will use sensors to gauge the distance between your vehicle and the vehicle in front. And if even though you've set your cruise control to a certain speed, you also set the distance, like how many seconds back you'd like to be from the car in front. And if you're closer than that, then the artificial intelligence, very simple, but the adaptive cruise control will reduce your speed to keep the safe distance back from the car in front. So that's a really simple sort of application of artificial intelligence, okay? And and when we talk about robots, we have things like, for example, military drones. They're a robot. They're a flying military robot. They don't have artificial intelligence on board as such because they're controlled, you know, pretty much by human beings. And when it comes to, you know, targeting and, you know, pressing the missile button or whatever, that is a human activity. But yeah, I guess the the thought is, well, what if we could combine both of these technologies, have artificial intelligence on board inside a robot so that we have a completely sort of autonomous machine that can make its its own decisions? And I guess we see a little bit of that with things like, you know, the Roomba vacuum cleaner, you know, very simple artificial intelligence. It, it, ma- it maps out your house. It knows where the go and no-go areas are, and it knows to return back to its recharging docking station when it's getting low on battery. So that's a, a very simple example of, of putting those technologies together. But in, in answer to your question, basically, no, robots and artificial intelligence are two completely separate forms of technology. I think the comment you just made about it being the brain of the robot, the artificial intelligence is really Hmm. an interesting one. To sort of define artificial intelligence, it would be like to the response to to situations in front of you. So this is something we go through as humans. Like if you're if you're driving a car and the car in front of you starts slowing down, what's your response to that? You're Hmm. you're essentially everything you do is in response to a set of circumstances. Yeah. Like like you mentioned with the vacuum cleaner robot, it's a, it does the same. Like if it bumps into wall, the wall, that's a set of circumstances, but it has code in line 
that it then responds to that by instead turning turning around and heading in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. I, I think basically the the difference between a basic you know computer programming and artificial artificial intelligence is that artificial intelligence learns. So once it's bumped into that wall, it uh, it basically re- begins to reprogram itself to say, okay, there's the wall. I won't go there again. And yeah, and that learning capacity, I think, is possibly one of the first things that, that separates artificial intelligence from just your everyday, you know, computer programming. Mm. Um, but but the, the thing that people are wondering about, you know, whether you're a scientist or a, or a computer engineer or, or a software engineer or whether you're a philosopher, in fact, is at what point does artificial intelligence become consciousness? And that's a really, really hard thing to define. You know, what is consciousness? Uh, what, what is it that is within our brains that tells us, that makes us self-aware that, oh, look, I'm me, you know, and I can make decisions. And yeah, it's such a really difficult thing to define. And therefore, it's really difficult to know when we may have actually created consciousness w- within a, an artificial intelligence. There's this TV show that I used to watch called um, Westworld. It's... Um currently it's finished its second season mm-hmm. essentially the whole premise of the show is that there's this theme park where robots that look like humans exist the the robots begin to gain sentience as far as um, their own consciousness mm. and it sort of explores what what's the process leading up to that and the show really heavily suggests that it's memories to be able to hold and retain memories okay. is what makes you human or sort of rather mm. conscious. Which is a similar idea from learning from your experiences, isn't it? Because you, you've got to re- remember your experiences in order to learn from them. So that aspect of memory is, yeah, it would have to be important. Mm. Now, artificial intelligence itself is something that's really concerning some higher members of society. One of them is one that you brought up in your article, Elon Musk. Now, he's yeah. he's created Tesla, which is a car that is, like you mentioned, adapts to situations. It's mm. It's viewed as autonomous in that that's self-driving, which is ironic because he actually is a, uh, he's quite scared of artificial intelligence as Elon Musk. Yeah, apparently. To the point where he's he's spent many years talking about how he thinks that it's going to be the end of us all is, is artificial intelligence and that we should start looking at colonizing Mars because, you know, that threat of artificial intelligence may end us all. Now, what, Mm. what do you think about that? Do you think that is a viable threat? Wow, it's it's pretty full on, and and he seems to be serious about it because not only has he spent a, a lot of time, you know, talking about it and thinking about it, he's also spent millions of dollars, you know, planning his SpaceX rocket program. And I think, like just like last week, he he announced the name of the first uh, passenger who would be jumping on on his rocket to do a, a circuit of the moon. So yeah, he he's got a space program for goodness sake, you know. So he does seem to be serious. Will robots and artificial intelligence take over the world? I honestly don't think so. I think that's a fairly extreme point of view. It's interesting, though, that for a very long time now, you know, more than 100 years, humans have been concerned about the unintended side effects of our technology. I mean, you you look at something like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, for example. This is a a really good example. You know, a a guy basically figures out the, um, a scientist figures out the the formula for creating life, you know, gets a whole bunch of um, dead body parts, puts them all together, 
introduces some, you know, chemical or, or electrical impulse or whatever that then brings these dead body, body parts back to life and you've got this new living being. So basically tr through technology, this new creature, you know, comes into existence and basically it's it's a bit scary and, and a lot of people... It, the creature is very misunderstood and things that end up and the creature ends up going basically violent when it doesn't get its own way and, and it isn't treated with, with respect and that sort of stuff. So, you know, right back there from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, we have this idea that, Hey, you know, we're so clever as humans, but what happens if our technology backfires on us? And that is a theme of so many science fiction movies and novels and, you know, things like that, that maybe, this technology will get away from us but nevertheless i i think really that you know the technology that we make as humans is really a mirror of, of ourselves it's a mirror of our good side and it's a mirror of of our bad side and so i guess i feel like that hopefully that will remain within balance, the technology that we come up with, that yes, there will be unintended negative consequences that we never saw coming. And that may, may be quite devastating in some, some instances, but I think also the good that is, with, that is within humans that, because we're created in the image of God, you know, we, we have that within us. And I believe that that will also be reflected in the technologies we come up with. So yeah, look, I no, I don't think robots are going to take over the world in in the end, and 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 there's you know that uh, what I've said logically, but it's also looking at what the Bible says. You know, the Bible forecasts the future in broad brushstroke terms, and it is pretty clear about who is in control, and and that is God. God is in control, and it goes through. Yes, we will be going through some hard times in the future, but I don't believe it's possible to interpret you know what the Bible says about the future as meaning that we're going to be all eliminated or exterminated through a robot apocalypse. Mm. And it's a really interesting point you raised there because as humans, we have the power of choice. The Bible outlines that clearly, mm. that we were, we were created with choice. Now, Adam and Eve chose to sin, which is where sin all started in the Garden of Eden. Yep. God could have just expected that as humans or created as humans that we were going to be just loving robots, that we weren't going to have the power of choice. And yet mm. he allowed us to do, you know, make our own mistakes. Yeah, yeah. We, and we can choose to do good to people or we can choose to do harm to people. And, and I think that is probably at the basis of, of our fear about artificial intelligence and, and robots because we, we recognize within ourselves there is this darkness, there is this evil. We do hurt one another. And, and it's a terrible thing. And I think what we fear is that the technologies that we develop will somehow not, not only mirror, but, but magnify that evil that is within us. And in some ways, it show us human beings as to, you know, what we really are. Um, and yeah, that, I think that's probably what is going on with all these sort of dystopian futures that we imagine for ourselves and that we imagine, you know, artificial intelligence might, um, you know, might take on. Although interestingly... Some an, a fairly common um, science fiction theme is that artificial intelligences or alien intelligences sometimes have looked at our Earth and basically said, "You know what? You guys, you human beings, are the the cockroaches of the galaxy. You destroy everything in terms of ecology and in terms of creating war and all this sort of stuff. And really, you're you know you need to be either controlled or exterminated before you do any more damage. And that, <laughs> and so there, it seems like there's this sort of guilt, you know, in in the human heart about our own species." And, and part of us wonders, you know, maybe we do deserve 
to be punished. You know, maybe, maybe we don't deserve to live. And so sometimes some of these sort of darker thoughts that we have are, are brought to life in novels and, and science fiction movies. Yeah, we do sort of have this fascination with it. Like iRobot is, you know, a popular movie. There's, mm. just, there's so many of them. Altered Carbon was a recent show on Netflix, mm. which sort of dealt with the idea of uploading your consciousness into a different body. Mm-hmm. Now, Google AI, I was doing a little bit of research into this. The website for Google AI outlines how much it can help humanity, how it can, you know, assist in scientific discoveries mm-hmm. and whatever. But, you know, not to be controlled, but to rather have your own choices. Is that really artificial intelligence or is is artificial intelligence there to serve a purpose as far as still being under someone else's control? Because mm. that seems to be the way we view it at the moment is that we're still going to remain in control of it. But yet the very word, you know, intelligence means mm. that it'll be able to make its own choices. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that is really the tipping point that people are, are worrying about and people are thinking about and they're concerned about. Because, yes, so long as we can program a machine to you know, do labor-saving work, it's a wonderful thing, whether it's vacuuming, you know, the house or, or even like right now, they're, they're, they've begun experiments with basically autonomous robots with a limited artificial intelligence on board being in things like old people's homes. So these old people are very lonely and they can't employ a staff member to sit there and talk to them. But if you can have, uh, you know, some sort of artificial intelligence that can carry on a conversation. It gives that feeling of company. And we think, wow, what a wonderful thing. And th- and this is this is artificial intelligence sort of reflecting the best in humanity, providing that good side of us, you know, reflecting that good side of us. But the question is, once these artificial intelligences get to the level where they do have some sort of self-awareness, some sort of consciousness or sentience, I think is the word you used before, Daniel, then we have to start asking the question, which is the question raised in the movie you mentioned, iRobot, based on a short story by Isaac Asimov originally. Basically, we have to start talking about rights, robot rights, or artificial intelligence rights. If, if a machine is self-aware and has preferences of this rather than that and, and is able to make decisions, then doesn't that machine also have rights? Hmm. And that and that is an issue that like Isaac Asimov, when he wrote that iRobot story, first started to deal with. And interestingly enough, he wrote it at a time when the the rights of people of different races was being discussed. You know, and ra- these whole racism issues were were coming to the fore in society. So he he used this, I guess, this sort of parallel story of robot rights to explore the idea of human rights, but perhaps in the guise of a science fiction story so people could step back and a, a bit more objectively sort of look at, you know, what does it mean to be human? Uh, yeah, it's really fascinating stuff. And then there's also the, the added, you know, argument to this is the, the whole discussion about weaponizing these things because, oh, you know, boy, unfortunately, yeah. when, when some sort of crazy, awesome new technology comes along, mm. it's always going to be used for bad as well as good. Mm-hmm. Now, Obviously, out there in war-torn countries, certain other countries use drones to fight warfare. Mm-hmm. Now, those drones are still being controlled by humans, but what about a time that you know they're going to be sentient and sort of a military is going to be sending these things out there to create chaos, essentially? You know, they have no control over that. That's a whole different ethical argument, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah, because it, this is the, the other side to it. Once a, a, a robot is given artificial intelligence and is able to make decisions, well, what level of decisions will we as human programmers allow them to have? 
should it include the power to take a human life, for example? And that's a pretty scary prospect. And I guess, you know, if you've played or, or witnessed any number of sort of first-person shooter video games, you'll know that those computer-controlled um, opponents that you're fighting against can be very clever and very much intent on, you know, on wiping you out because that's their job. That's what they've been programmed to be. So if you had in real life a, a weaponized robot, and this is not something that's complete science fiction either. I mean, if, if you jump on um, YouTube and look up DARPA, D-A-R-P-A, DARPA robot, you'll see that there are robots there that the military is working on. It's pretty scary. And then you imagine attaching a machine gun to that, putting artificial intelligence inside it and saying, you know, this is what the enemy looks like, search and destroy. Wow, that's a really scary thought. You know, can we successfully implant the Geneva Conventions into a military robot? I think even now we we struggle to do that with, you know, as you mentioned, those those military drones, even now there are terrible atrocities, wartime atrocities that happen. Mm. I think basically because the operator is in another country looking at a screen with a finger on, on a very remote button and there's all these layers of technology between the the decision and the actual death and it's very easy to distance yourself from the human impact. And, and I think if we have artificial intelligences actually making those decisions, the risk is that human life is cheapened even further. So yeah, there, there are big ethical discussions happening about this right now and there are, are people, you know, hoping that we never see autonomous military, you know, weaponized robots. The Bible describes a time in, in Genesis 11 about when all humans were sort of working towards a collective cause. They thought that they were great and powerful and that they'd be able to build a tower that would reach all the way to heaven. Mm. And that was the Tower of Babel. And God um, decided that he was going to create language um, in, in a sense, confusion among these people so they mm. wouldn't be able to cooperate for this common goal anymore. Do you think with us working as, as humanity, working towards this common goal of sort of having artificial intelligence that will serve us, are we sort of working towards a common goal that would could lead about our destruction? Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I've never really thought about that story of the Tower of Babel in, in Genesis like that before. But you're right. Yeah, here's a group of people working together to develop a technology, in this case, a you know, an architect, architectural technology, a, a very large tower and building that would enable them to, you know, stick together a, as a unified force and to uh, escape perhaps of, you know, a further flood such as, you know, what Noah went through. And, and I guess, I think human unity is a good thing when, when we can work together. But if we're working together for good ends or evil ends is, is a, a very good question. I think in that case, you know, God had had a very clear vision for how he wanted humanity to be. And, and I think as we've seen with, with urbanization, it's often a, a very fast road to a lot of trouble and, and moral depravity and, and things like that. And perhaps God really wanted these people to establish themselves in, you know, in small communities around the earth and um, live close to the earth. And, you know, and that would be a sort of a much healthier, much more natural, much more family oriented way to live rather than being in this, in this one big city. So he, he decided, you know, this is what needs to happen at this stage. But yeah, look, it's, it's a good question you, you ask, um, Daniel, and it's, it's really hard to know the future. And it's certainly even harder to know, you know, what is in the mind of, of God exactly. But I know he certainly, you know, does have a plan for us. The people who were building the Tower of Babel at the time thought that they were, you know, in control of, you know, what they were doing, mm. they, that in a sense, they were like God. I particularly have come across with, you know, this talk about artificial intelligence. It's almost like, we are our gods. We are the master of this technology that mm. we're sort of bringing birth to. Where does God come in that sort of equation? 
Mm-hmm. I think certainly, you know, humans, we have had a habit of being carried away with our own cleverness. We're coming up, you know, in a, what, couple of months now. In November, we've got the 100th anniversary of the end of the First World War. I mean, that was a shock to people because after the sort of decades previously of, wow, aren't we humans so clever? Look at all the technologies we're coming up with. This is fantastic. Then they saw that technologies turned into tanks and machine guns and barbed wire and mustard gas and they saw this incredible destruction of human lives and it really I think rocked a lot of people back on their heels to think wow you know we thought we were so clever and now we're seeing you know what happens with our cleverness you know it it gets turned into self-destruction and it was a very sobering moment in history I think for humanity to to realize that cleverness is is not enough we actually also need to somehow learn to to be good, and that and that's a much tougher thing than coming up with new technology. Mm, absolutely, technological advancement has always been a well, it particularly was in World War One. You see huge strides, and particularly in World War Two as well. Mm. And as as humans, it's always our sort of motive to push the boundaries, isn't it? We want to make make something that's faster, build something that's stronger. Mm-hmm. As a human species, we can't accept that we're going to be stagnating. We have to be pushing the boundaries, don't yeah, we? But but honestly, Daniel, I think God created us that way. I mean, the the Bible begins with "In the beginning, God created." You know, so God God is a creative God, and then and then the Bible also tells us that that God created male and female in His own image. So it stands to reason that we as human beings are also have that creative impulse. So it's, it's a great thing. It's a God-given thing to want to create and to want to progress and to want to make things better and to want to come up with new technologies. It's, it's an incredible thing. But I really do strongly believe that that technological or creative process needs to be in line with our, our moral and ethical progress. Because if those two things get out of whack, then we can end up with being able to do all sorts of clever things that are actually really destructive or, or even evil things. Yeah, now just one final thought. The Bible doesn't specifically talk about robots, but it does talk about what sort of climate that the the end of sort of end of times is going to be about. Mm, and it sort mm. of does talk about technological advancement in Matthew twenty four particularly. Now mm. what exactly does it say in there? The chapters, um, Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25, do, Jesus is speaking there and he's talking, he's answering his disciples' questions about what the time of the end is going to look like. Um, and he does give some specifics there about natural disasters, about wars and rumors of wars. But Jesus says, look, this is only going to be the, you know, the beginning of birth pains, he said. It's interesting that, that Jesus focuses not so much on technology. It's not even so much on natural and man-made disasters. He, his focus is very much on, hey, don't be fooled, he says, because during these times, and it's true, that you know, during times of, of upheaval um, and extreme situations, people are often easily deceived by you know, extreme politics, by, by leaders who say extreme things. You think of Hitler, for example, in World War II. You know, the German people were in a, a difficult place at that time, and, and they listened to, to Hitler. So Jesus says, you know, don't, don't be fooled. There are going to be false Christs and false messiahs around. You need to know who I am in order not to be fooled by that. So, yeah, and, and he says, and, and while you're there, you know, there is going to be a delay. Make use of what you've been given, your talents, and don't forget to care for those people who are disadvantaged around you. And he says, you know, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of one of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. And to a Christian, that's a, a really powerful thing to say, I can do something for Jesus, is to help those people around us. So, yeah, I think we need to be aware. We need to watch and pray. We need to care for those people around us. Yeah, Absolutely.
Now, Ken, it was a blast having you here with us in the studio. Um, I'm kind of enjoying being in the, the boss's chair. So <laughs> let's hope this, uh, please write us another article so we can uh, interview you again. But thank you so much for joining us today on uh, Signs of the Times Radio. Thanks very much, Daniel. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.